Vision for the end times. Vision for the end. Uh, the, I have end times. This is the last days. I guess it's the same thing, right? Uh, I want you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to be looking at verses 5 and 8 to start with here. <clears throat> last week, my sermon came out of the life of Joseph, and I felt like, as I was continuing to pray over it, that the Lord wanted me to continue that. Uh, interestingly, um, I, I, I don't look at Old Covenant uh, not for the most part. I don't usually look at the Bible as a divided book. I see it as one whole book. As a matter of fact, as I spent time looking into this and I was thinking of Joseph's life, and particularly we're going to be talking about his dreams, that Joseph's dreams, in my mindset, are like a sub-dream or a sub-vision to the greater vision that God gave. And interestingly, when you read the New Testament, in the life of Abraham and what God did through him, it says, as we have faith in Christ, we become the children of Abraham. We don't become a separate sect from the Jews as it were. We become one religion under Christ. What God revealed to Abraham was a message of Christ continued on from generation to generation until the end times. And so when we read the visions and dreams of the Bible, and interestingly, when God gave this dream to Abraham, and Paul says, he said seed as of Christ, not seeds, or many, or the descendants of Abraham, speaking as just his descendants alone, but when he was speaking to Abraham and giving vision, he was giving the vision of Christ to come and Christ to reign. So as I think of the end times Actually, I go back to Genesis. I don't just read Revelations and a few spots in, in Daniel and all of those things. They're speaking specifically about things that are going to happen in the end times. But actually, the end time message, I think, started in the book of Genesis. I think it started in the beginning. So when you read every page of this book, you will realize that God had one particular plan from the beginning. And I believe that was to set for the rule and reign of Christ for eternity. From the moment in the birth of humanity to the end of our days, as it were, the birth, continued birth of humanity, there would be a set kingdom and there would be a rule and reign of Christ. And so when we, need, we read the message of salvation in the Bible, the end times is in the mindset of it. Whenever we read of any miracle in the Bible, the mindset behind it is God is going to bring it into the full completion in the reign of His kingdom. So just keep that in mind. So as I share this story, that's why I'm going back to Genesis. Some people will say, why are you reading Genesis talking about the end times? Well, that's why. Because I see a full and complete picture in the entirety of the Bible from one end to the next. From the introduction to the law to the introduction of grace, all of it was an end times message in a sense. Or there's a, it's coming into the completion or the fullness of what that's supposed to do. So we're introduced from age to age and from generation to generation the more fuller vision of what God is completing. And God was more or less saying in Abraham, he's going to finish, and even in the life of Joseph. So just keep that in mind. But in a sense, here's one thing that, I'm going to say this because I felt like, well, let me read, let me read the, the verse, the passage, and then I'll go back to what I wanted to say, okay? So the necessity of getting your revelation from God, Genesis, Genesis 37, verses 5 through 8 says this, now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers. And they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. And there were binding sheaves. There were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? 
So they hated him even the more for his dreams and for his words. Interestingly, he, he shared another one, and that was that the sun and the moon and the stars bowed down too. And that time, Jacob was listening, and he's like, what, my, your father and your mother and your brother, everybody's going to bow down to you? And so interestingly, they actually gave the interpretation of the dream, but I'm not so sure that they knew it was the, uh, the interpretation of the dream. But seemingly, that's what they got out of it, and that's exactly what God did to it. I call that providence. I call that the mighty hand of God. In the ignorance of man, we can say things that God is going to do, not even knowing that that's what's actually going to happen in the future. That dream set down a precedence in Joseph's life. When I started ministry, I was under the notion that vision for ministry is about you pick what you want God to do and you start believing for it. I mean, essentially, that's kind of what I felt like. I felt like that's kind of what you, you start believing the church is going to get filled and you start believing there's going to be people here and you're going to have ministries. and That's, that's the kind of thing. You just Everybody else has got that. That's what we've got to have. But that is not the way the Lord raised me up in my faith in Him. I have learned to separate man's vision from what God speaks to your spirit. I need a witness of the Holy Spirit. This is what He's going to do. So that I don't have to look at what I see in the moment and call this a result of failed effort. I can say God is going to fulfill His will and He gave me a pre-sense or idea of what that was going to look like. And so I am going from the day I get started to the day this finishes on my end of it to keep believing for that. Believing for what God had put in my life. That's what this dream that Joseph had was all about. It was all about something that God was showing Joseph ahead of time, a future events. And that was also to impact him in how he lived his life in the moment. So essentially, I would say this. If you have the vision that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church, for his people, there's going to be a day in which you get to be caught up and meet the Lord in the air. And you strongly, you believe that with all of your heart. Then you're living your life right now in light of that. Some people have totally rearranged their life the moment they came to that realization. I've loved watching Christians all of a sudden get that. And usually early on in their faith, there's this sense that the kingdom of God is coming to snatch me at any moment. I want to be ready for that. I want to be ready. And they're addressing it the immediately at the moment they realize that they're addressing everything in their life in light of that. They're like, this isn't the way God wants. I don't want to be doing this when Jesus shows up. And so they start rearranging life. And rightly so. It's only sad when we stop rearranging life or we get used to a form and stop breathing out that vision of what God's going to do in the future. Every soul that gets saved, every person that gets discipled in the name of Jesus, every person that gets translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His dear Son, is in light of this revelation of God that He gave of Himself to us and He's dispersing it to our hearts. Isn't it wonderful that we could be in the stream of God's vision and revelation to our hearts? It, we should be crying out, Lord, I have a hungry heart for You to renew the vision. Lord, even open up parts of that that I have never seen. But vision as it is in Your heart. Vision as it is Your mind. So the people that we pray for, um, I still, when I go and pray for them in private, I'm still seeking for the Lord to give me something from Him as I pray for them. I want to know that when I'm praying, I'm not praying James's mind into thin air and expecting God to rearrange His kingdom plans for my sake and my compassion. I want to know the mind of God. I want to know the thoughts of God when I'm praying for somebody so that I can securely pray for that and expect it because it's God's will. So this dream was set in motion that for Joseph. Though it's a sub-vision or a sub-dream 
to Abraham's original. Joseph was a beneficiary to that vision that God gave to Abraham. And he's getting a special vision for himself or a dream. I'm going to interchangeably use those terms because I feel like they fit. So he told his brothers. They took offense to it. Um, They couldn't see it, but God gave it to him. Realize this. When God shares His secrets with your heart, not everybody else gets those same secrets. I don't know why, but they don't get them. It could be that they're too stubborn. It could be that we're too proud. It could be that we've, we're just not ready. <laughs> Some of us are not ready for God to reveal that to us yet. Because I think there's a responsibility that comes with when God reveals something to you. You have a responsibility to that. And so <clears throat> if you're not ready in your walk with Christ, then He doesn't share it with you for the time being. God gave Joseph a dream because his religious Jewish upbringing was not going to be enough for the days to come. Religion is not going to be enough for the days to come. Just just coming to church is not going to be enough for the days to come. We can't just go off of the formality or the norms of how we do our devotions. We have got to have God constantly pouring into our lives. We need something that comes from Him. It's not just doing our devotions as it were. And the reason I say that is is because devotions can carry a form of godliness with no power. A certain form of devotions. I'm not saying don't read your Bible. I'm saying... There's more to it than just reading our Bibles. There's more to it than just coming to a prayer meeting. And I can say that easily because I still feel like for myself and others, they're missing it a hundred miles, missing it, even though they're showing up for all the religious activities. No, that's not it. So don't miss it. Paul talked about in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, he says, perilous times are coming. He prophesied of this. And so this will require more than knowing the Word of God. It demands knowing the God of the Word. We've got to know the God of the Word. Got to know what He's saying in our times. So, a lot of times I would say this. If somebody asks me, Pastor, how do you describe knowing the voice of God? How how, How should I understand that? And I would say for me, I understand it as more discerning the voice of God. It's a discerning. It's Yes, it's a something in my spirit and it's witnessing with me, but I'm discerning that that is different than any other voice in my head or any other direction in my life. It's a spiritual life. Christianity is a spiritual life. It's not a religion. We have to relate with God. We have to have that relation. In Acts 6, Chapter 6, verse 5, is described, it says this, that they were full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And these are the ones God will give His revelation to. I love this in Psalm chapter 25, verse 14. He says this, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him, And He will show them His covenant. Now I've spent some time in my Christian life where my fear of God was what I feared about Him. It wasn't what I knew of Him. It's what I feared about Him. I feared that God would be my judge. I feared that the last, when I stood before Him, that all my wrongdoings were going to come out in the open. And I thought of, because I had heard about and I'd known and I'd read about, But I wasn't so acquainted with the Lord that my fear was about in relationship to God in spirit. I think you're getting where I'm going with that. It's about being related to God in spirit. There's too many things in life, the direction you need to go, the job you need to stay in, or the job you need to leave, or the person you're not to be marrying to, or you need to stay clear of, and you need to get out of that relationship. Any of those kinds of things... All of our life needs to be led by the Spirit of God. 
We can't lean on anything else. I can't go in and tell you, you're going to find a scripture in the Bible that's going to tell you exactly where you need to go and what you need to do. But I can tell you the Spirit of God, as He witnesses in your heart the direction you need to go, will give you a verse to support it most of the time. And if He doesn't, you'll still know that it's the Holy Spirit that's driving what's going on inside your spirit. And we can't be saved... Psalms is 25, verse 14. Thank you for asking. That actually should go up on the overhead. Oh, where's the overhead for that? None of this is in up there? Okay. Well, I guess, can you go to the next one, see what's, what's the next slide? Okay, so we'll just go there for the moment. <laughs> okay, so... That's not even where I'm at. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Okay, you're right. So is the one before that if you see it, but if you don't, that's fine. It's kind of interesting that it's not there. Um, the importance of, and that's the difference, of the witness of the Spirit in our life knows that I know in my spirit the God who made me is the one who's speaking to me. There are so many people that I can tell they don't have that but they are certain that God is speaking to them. Where is the delusion? The delusion is they know what certain portions of the Bible say and they excuse themselves from being connected with God in spirit on the basis of what they've read in the Bible or what a preacher has said or what some so-called prophet out there on TV is telling you. And the sad thing is you've got congregations. I love this congregation. One of the reasons I love it is it's not the size because there are masses flocking to false teachers. Masses. Sometimes I wonder, the lack of mask sometimes shows you that you're probably preaching the Word of God. And they got masses following them. And I ask myself the question, how is it that so many people are deluded in believing a fool. And I'll tell you why. Because they are not connected to God themselves. They take somebody who can rearrange this Bible and fit their own vision, and then they get in locked in on that and follow it. You need to hear from God. Every one of us individually have that as a necessity for our life. And I'm going to beg and pray and preach to you as a pastor Listen to the Lord. And then hopefully that's confirmation to something that the pastor's saying. But so important in life. Okay, we're going to go to what's up there now. The secret of hearing from God is surrender, not in seeking. Now, seeking is important. Don't get me wrong. But people could seek for their life and not surrender. And I gave you a few verses up there for you to write down so you can go and study those out and look at them yourself. But these verses speak of, it says, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your heart as in the day of provocation. Talking about all of Israel, God was speaking loudly, but they were hardening their hearts and they were missing the mark. When we are in trouble, when we are struggling in life especially, but I don't care if you're in struggling or you are experiencing life at its best, if you miss this, it's going to be everything. It's going to be a huge part here. We need to know what the Holy Spirit is saying when we are increased in goods, when we are in need of nothing, and when we are in need of everything. We need to know what God is saying to us. You can't depend on what your mind and emotion is telling you. You're wasting your time listening to your thoughts and listening to your mind and your ways. You need to get the download of what the Holy Spirit is saying. And if you spend your life depending on yourself to get you out of your problems or into your, uh, or in, or into your problems, however you want to say it, it's going to be the same issue every single time. God has the answer. And what I found is that is oftentimes He doesn't say, you say, Lord, would you give me an answer? And He doesn't give it to you right away. Then you seek. But it's the surrender piece of this that makes 
the difference. Surrender makes the difference. We've, there's many times as a father to my own kids, I told them, here's what I want. Here's what I expect. And I have been at times disappointed. I didn't change what I expected. And I didn't provide privileges as a result of missing the bar. I waited until they got on team with what I wanted and what was in my heart. You know what's interesting? I had this conversation with the boys yesterday. And I'll share this with my kids and they will share it with their kids. And their kids will share it with their kids. And it will keep on going on. But I said what's important to me is that as you're making decisions in your life right now, you're making decisions while married to my heart, the heart of your father. Isn't that exactly what Jesus is teaching his church? You have to be married to the heart of your father. You have to be in communication with him. The last days will come with such deception. Bible all over talks about that. That you won't stand a chance if you follow any other voice. It's already happening. We're already seeing COVID was one of those great revealers about people who have fallen other voices and lost their devotional life if they ever had one. Where is the secret life with Jesus? Nobody. I mean, so we should all have a prayer closet lifestyle or a secret life, as it were. Nobody knows what you get to experience with Jesus. They don't know some of the very intimate moments that you have shared with God. That's the beauty of the individual touch of God in our lives. But it impassions you and inflames you and fills you. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 42, verses 6 through 9, if you would. The revelation from God will keep you from falling into the last day's perversion. Last day's perversion. Now, let me say this. We're already kind of, I'm going to say we're already in the last days. But I'm talking about when things really get bad. I'm saying that it will keep you, when things get really bad, it will keep you from the perversion in those days. I'm not talking, I'm talking future arrangement especially. But especially now too. Uh, chapter 42, verses 6 through 9. 6 through 9. Just say, Jesus is Lord if you're there. Lord. Amen. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him and their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, Where do you come from? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. He remembered the dream. The vision God gave him is what he sourced his actions and is what he did with his brothers off of. And this is powerful because you would have thought that Joseph would have acted like this and maybe even harsher because of feeling the sting of their envy and finally getting his chance at revenge. But this is not a revenge story. And you have to catch that. Joseph is reflecting on the dream and I believe, I believe he's seeing something else. I don't think he's just looking at how his brothers treated him. And I'll tell you why. Because future, we read a little bit further in his story, it says exactly what God had done in how he saw his brothers. But this is what I think. He realized at that moment that from that dream that it would be premature of him to reveal himself to his brothers right then and there. It's not time yet. See, when God gives you something, you recognize that as excited as you are about it, that you don't get to just run on and do what you want with it. You have to follow the timing of God, the direction of the Lord with what He's given. And so, the perversion of the last days, if we don't Walk with God. The perversion is it will make you follow 
what's in your heart. What's in your heart is revenge. What's in your heart is to challenge. What's in your heart is to get what you want in life. What's in your heart is to satisfy your needs before anybody else's. Whatever. But however you want to look at that, it will. what's ha- going to happen is it's going to test godliness and ungodliness especially because what you want in your life is what you're going to go after unless you have the vision of God born into your heart. What Jesus is trying to tell you for the last days. The dream kept him from prematurely revealing himself to his brothers. God shows us things in the Holy Spirit so that we don't get carried away with the excitement around us. We don't get, ex- we don't get carried away with the excitement around us. Nothing is more messed up than doing things your way or our way and then insisting on God to clean up the mess and then fit it into His will. Just work it out. Just, and then keep doing that. We need to follow God. We need to follow His will for our life. And the last days is, is what we're really especially tuning us into. Why this moment? Why are we having this moment in church? Why are we calling for our brothers and sisters to get together now? Because what we are doing is we're in the land of plenty right now. The land of opportunity to get it from your Bibles, to get direct uh, time and revelation from God. So when, when it comes, you'll remember what God said. You'll remember what He said. We will do no real good unless we are led by the Spirit of God. I want, again, if you'll put that up there, uh, you have a few verses that relate to that. Romans 8, 14, Zechariah 4, 6, verse 6, 9, and verses 9 through 10, and Isaiah 61, 1 through 7. Isaiah 61 was Jesus when he was saying, um, for the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. We need the Holy Spirit for the direction in life. Now is essential in all life. But the reason I'm making this distinction is this, is we, we all feel the pressure of world happening. The postmodern mindset is just infiltrating everything now, nowadays. And while that's happening, <clears throat> we have a mandate right this very minute to catch what God is saying. But my fear is this. My fear is if while things are good, we're missing the mark, what's the chance? What's the chance when everything is unleashed and we're like, and here's the thing. Here's the message that I don't want to paint. I, I don't want to paint, and you're, you probably some may be saying, Pastor, are you saying that there won't be a catching away of the church before the Great Tribulation hits? I'm not talking about the Great Tribulation. I'm talking about what's going to be before that day happens, before the catching away of the saints. We all have it in mind that no hardships are coming to us before that day comes. If that's the case, we're in the Americana mindset real getting into us because the reality is all across the world and in Israel right now, and on the that side of the world, people are losing their lives. We're hearing some of it on the news, but we're not getting the full details. We're kidding ourselves if we think that those days will never touch us. We'll finally get raptured. And if we do, great. But I don't see that as the challenge of our... Mankind has it in his mind to do more evil than we do good. And so we are at the days where that's happening. And so I'm saying that if we're not taking opportunity now, why would we expect that it will happen later? I want to say one other thing I see in this. I see in his this continuation, and this will be Genesis chapter 43, verses 29 through 31, that this dream kept Joseph's heart tender. Joseph, I actually I love this verse, this portion of Joseph's life so much. It speaks to me, the Christian spirit and the heart of Christ in it. 
So Genesis 43, verses 29 through 31. He says this. Now his heart yearned. I want you to capture that. His heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. The moment he saw. Now, the brother we're talking about is Benjamin. The brother that did him no evil. <laughs> but when he saw him, he, had, he couldn't help. He couldn't contain himself. He had to go find a place. to. He wasn't, it wasn't time for him to reveal himself yet. This is all being set up. The stage of God was being prepared for him and his brothers. But he felt the compassion in the heart. My heart, the, the envy of his brothers didn't sidetrack him to the love that he was to have for them and for the one who hadn't been offended in mixed Indians. And he went to his chamber and wept there. Then he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin and his mother's son and said, is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Then he washed his face and came out and restrained himself and said, Serve the bread. Serve the bread. Serve every one of them. There is something missing. And I have got to say this with all my heart, but there is something missing in Christianity today. And this is it right here. The offenders of our lives, the, one who's, the ones who've done us injustice, and I'm saying this across the table from Christian to Christian, I am still straining to find how is it that the Spirit of God is in operation in our life and He keeps us from being able to serve those who've done us an injustice. In light of the cross, your sins stretched from the day that you were born to this very day. Every single one of them against an infinite, almighty, holy God and perfect creator and lover of your soul. And every one of them, and yet He's forgiven every single sin if you have committed yourself in faith to Christ. And yet, what offense? What can somebody do you? Can they take your life and it still be anything remotely close to the offenses God has forgiven us of and discharged us from the debt of the sin which we've stacked up against God Almighty. Not on your life. And yet we see one after another stacked up believer after believer still holding prejudice and unforgiveness in their hearts for somebody in their life. And I will say it's a barrage in keeping you from the fullness of the Gospel for yourself. That's all of us. And it breaks my heart when I see that because I know it's a challenge and Jesus gave us every reason to let go. Now, I won't say that doesn't mean we have to walk wisely within the world of offenders, no doubt. We have to be wise in what we do. But we cherish God so much and what He's done in our life that we lend that back to them. And Joseph had a bigger understanding. This is why I say the vision of God changes you. I realized that as I was praying and I was thinking, Lord, I need the vision of God to move me forward in life. If I don't have that, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know why I'm going. And I have no reason to keep on going. I need you to seal the deal in my life. I need you to take me and advance me to the next step every minute of the way. Lord, show me. Lord, reveal to me. I had a verse the last few weeks has been just emulating in my mind and it's this verse. Lord, if you should cease to speak to me, I should be like those that go down to the pit. That silence is hell. You lose the voice of God in your life or you've never known it. You're living in hell. We need that voice. Is it sometimes it's comfort, other times it's conviction, but I need God's voice in my life. Joseph's dream was a loud and powerful reminder that despite his slavery and separation from his family and unjust accusation, God was running the ultimate show. When my father-in-law died, I thought about something. I thought about what he would have wanted. 
I thought about how many times some of us get discharged from this life still feeling the strain and desire of our heart for our loved ones. That's the power of the vision of God because you know that you're going to your grave with hope for those that God has put in your heart. You know, there's sometimes the Lord hasn't given me somebody, so to speak. I want to, and I desire the good, and I'm compassionate to them, but really what paves the way is the ones God has put in your heart, and you're praying for them, and you know. Isn't it powerful when God leans into the parents for their children, and He gives them a vision, and they look at their kids from years as they go on in life, and, and nothing looks like it's fitting that vision whatsoever. But that vision is so solid and so from God that they never forget it, even to the day of their death. And they trust that God, beyond their mortal frame, will fulfill His Word. Absolutely fulfill His Word. Then I'm not talking about a word from the Bible. It's a, a word to your spirit that He conveyed to you for your family members and the ones you love. And the rest of them are on the sideline because I haven't gotten a vision. I haven't gotten God's heart or what He's going to do there. Then wait till He gives that to you and don't create something for them because God is going to be given something better. And so the meantime, sometimes we would wrestle with uh, sometimes rebellion in our home, but we would do it differently if we were doing it from the vision God gave than from the way it feels. Because I don't like what you're doing in the moment but I remember what God says is going to become of you in the future. I don't know how He's going to do it, but I know He is. The revelation of God will keep your heart soft. It has to. And when we see what's coming, it has to. God gives insight into the future because bitterness, unforgiveness, and hardness of heart veils our spiritual sensitivity to His eminent return. Not are just our sensitivity to other people. It veils our sensitivity, our feeling that at any moment, Jesus could come and call me home. You think about the five wise and foolish virgins and each one of them knew that the bridegroom was going to come, but five of them were foolish and didn't prepare for that coming and they had no oil in their lamps and five were ready. Five held on to the vision of His coming. And so I would say, I wonder if one of the things that keeps us from having oil in our lamps is the struggle of relationships on earth that we didn't let go of because we saw Jesus was coming. Now imagine this, and I've had those times. I've had that time where somebody has deeply hurt and offended my life, and I know them, and I see that, and I feel embittered by it, but I remember Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And Jesus is coming for a holy church. And that's not going into His kingdom with me. That bitterness isn't going to be called into His kingdom. That hatred, that pain, that suffering isn't going into the kingdom of God with me. So this is more important to me. And the witness of God's Spirit is constantly getting that in our lives. So that's why I say in this, when God gives us, why did God give Joseph the dream ahead of time? Why didn't he just wait till the events started happening to show him? Because there was a keeping power in the revelation of God. It's wonderful to go back into life and remember times when God revealed Himself to you in a powerful way and how that was it came at its very uh, needed time in your life and it was brought back to mind at a very important time. And lastly, I want you to look in uh, Genesis chapter 45 and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Now, in Joseph's yearning for his brother and weeping, it doesn't say that it was connected to the dream, but I can't help but think that it was. And I'll tell you as we read these last few verses why I see that. Joseph's dream empowered him for redemption. Joseph's dream empowered him for redemption. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me, except his brothers, right? So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. 
Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. See, when I read the first, the first verses that we read in Genesis, it said God gave him a dream and his brothers hated him for that dream. It didn't tell us that Joseph knew that when he became a ruler and they would bow down to him, that that would be God's measure in preserving their lives. He didn't get that download, I don't think, at that moment. He knew the dream meant that he would, maybe he knew, we don't know for sure, that it would be that he would rule over some kind of capacity, but that this part of the dream was what the whole thing was all about. It was the redemptive purpose behind the mind of God in the dream that He gave. The redemptive purpose. The deeper meaning of end time message. I don't care how good they are at teaching eschatology. There's a lot of guys out there that are far better than I am. And maybe they got it right, maybe they got it wrong. I don't know. But I'll say this. In all the light of all the teaching out there and everything that could be, make sure the end result is redemptive in your mindset at receiving it and listening to it. This must mean not that God is just going to judge a world of wickedness, but God is going to finally redeem those that have come through the blood, have been totally saved, and He's going to redeem everything. And he's going to set up that rule and reign that we're looking for. The deeper meaning of the end time message is, at its core, is redemptive. My study of Eden to, es to eschatology, basically to the end times, all the way to Revelation, and that I am convinced, it has convinced me, this study has convinced me, that God is majestic in His mercy and His justice. He is majestic in His mercy and His justice. It amazes me how God carries out justice and how He enforces mercy and He does it interwovenly with perfection. And we can't quite understand it. We're still left in awe trying to figure out how does God judge? How does God forgive? How does He do any of it? And it works. We want it, but we don't understand it. We don't know how you mix those two together. Through the revelation of the last days, we will not only escape the perversion of those who reject God, but we will overcome the perversion of those who think it's more about His judgment than His salvation. The heart of eschatology is about what the final rule and reign of Christ will be like. The final rule and reign of Christ will be like. You know, it used to be in my life, early on in my Christianity, you talked about hell and you got my attention. You talked about everlasting flames and what that might look like and you got my attention. Boy, I started thinking about that and that just got me just like, oh man, if I'm going to, even if I don't have love for Jesus, I'm going to serve Him out of fear for Jesus. And I would say that was kind of a mainstream thought in my mind. But as I've come to know, really, the heart of God, it is the redemptive beauty, the majesty of His heart to save a wretch like me. That's what amazes me. And time and time again, as I go back and through it, and I'll tell you what, it's actually brought, and there's a lot of confused minds about hell and about final judgment and about God judging Humanity, and there's a lot of confusion and struggle there, and I'll tell you why. The reason is, is because they haven't been properly introduced to the gospel. The gospel makes it understandable. You think a God who has every privilege and right to judge us, and yet He chooses 
to bleed and die on a cross and take and suffer the vengeance of this world upon Himself for our salvation, it starts to become illuminating that His judgment is really uh, heralding to us. Give your hearts to Me. Surrender to Me and let Me be the Lord of your life. I struggle with a lot of last days preaching as as many of you probably will too or do because I think a lot of it tends to get a lot of thoughts stirred in our minds and people are going, oh, for this and this are going to happen and this is the time frame in which it's happened. I know a lady who's already predicted five times and still has a following of when Jesus was going to come. Man, I'm on good grounds. I haven't even done it once. And when I think of that, I'm like, why are people so manipulated to have to know so much? Wouldn't it be true that you live so close to Jesus right now, you so live close enough to God, that if there were no future telling of those events, that you live close enough to God that He could wrap those events around you and make it happen such as it would be, and it wouldn't change a thing? It wouldn't change where you're going to end up? It wouldn't change the heaven you're going to be in. It wouldn't be change the fact that you're going to get caught away or if you die, you're going to get to be resurrected. It wouldn't change any of it. If you didn't know you lived close enough to God now, isn't that the message that Jesus was trying to enforce through letting us know what future events could look like? Don't let the fear of it or the, the reality of it change any of that. If anything, let it drive it closer. If what you read in the Bible doesn't passionately draw you closer to God, then why are you reading it? Why would we go there? So I'm praying that as we see more begin to unfold in our mind and we see the fearfulness of things begin to draw out in ways that we never imagined, that it will just intimately make you more involved in the redemptive nature of Jesus and you will love Him more as the days get more difficult. That's my prayer. And I am praying that God will bring more into our assembly to be a part of that same fellowship. Now, I'm beginning to understand vision and ministry. Begin to understand that's what it's all about. You can have a large church and a lot of people going to that church, but that doesn't mean they're ready for Jesus to come. Right? So I want you to be a part of that same vision, not my vision. God's vision, I think, given to me. I want to be a part of God's vision to His church. I want us to be together in this. Let's continue to worship and honor Him. I don't know if while I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit was addressing anything in your life. I don't know if the Lord was bringing something up. And maybe it wasn't anything that I said, but the Holy Spirit was doing something. I believe that's what every one of these services is about, is God speaking specially to our hearts. I make an altar call because I trust that sometimes God gives you the nudging. You need to come up front. But I'm not going to tell you that God ends it there. You just be wherever you feel the Holy Spirit is nudging your heart to do. But I want to take some time this morning because I know how urgent and necessary it is to realign to what the Lord is doing. I just I, I know how urgent that is. Our next moment leaving this building can have such a powerful impact in how we leave this building. God's, what you do the next five minutes after you walk out that door could have everything to do with these last few minutes together. I trust that the Lord is going to do miracles because and do things that radically change us every day of our lives because I know that it's a part of His kingdom. So brothers and sisters, let's pray right now that it, with those of us that are here, that the Lord would just fill us with His presence One more time, Lord, speak to us the last day's vision and give us special dreams that you have for us to carry us on and see what God's going to do. Maybe while I've been speaking, the Lord has been stirring your heart for somebody that he gave you a vision for. And you realized, I have let go of that vision. I've let go of something that God showed me. And I need to get back to what the Lord showed me. I don't know if that's you, but I'm going to pray that you'll respond to the Lord appropriately. I'm going to 
for the moment, and this will be an opportunity for the worship team to get their chance too. I'm just going to have Isaac turn on the music in the background. We're going to take some altar call time before we take communion. And we're just going to let the Lord do his special work inside of us. And every one of us needs something from God. I know that much. I know that. It's just what we need. I don't know. I can't tell you for every one of us. But let the Lord speak to your tender hearts right now. Let me pray for you. And Isaac, then go ahead and turn on the music. I want you to respond. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that the redemption, God, sometimes peels back layers of the worst kinds of self that we've ever, the worst kind of me that there's ever been. But Jesus, that's what redemption is all about, is is that you are being magnified in the cleansing and the renewing and the regenerating of our lives. God, I just want to pray, Father, as hearts are tender, as Lord, as the word has been spoken, that each one of us, Lord, will respond to you appropriately in this moment. I don't know, but I just sense, I sense, Lord, that you want to give out only the miracles that you can give to confirm in us individually how important every one of us are in your mind. Jesus, I pray, break things that need to be broken in our lives instantaneously and right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, if you have carried bitterness in your heart, just give it to God. I know that might be difficult, but listen to Him in this moment and respond to Him. Oh, Lord Jesus, I praise You for that release right now. In the name of Christ, I praise You for release. Not one more day. Not one more day in the pain of what that brings. Lord, in the darkness that dispels over the heart. Not one more day in Jesus' name. God, I cry out for that to now. I cry out for it, Lord. Jesus' relationships that need mended. And Lord, in visions that were given by You that have been deposited in individual hearts. Lord, the losing of that or the let going of whatever reason. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, renew that heart and that vision and help them carry that right now out of this service. Give them that sunshine in their heart, Lord, and remind them that you are faithful and you will never fail in the name of Jesus. Oh, if you feel the Lord calling you to the altar, let's come up now. Let's just come up now. Isaac, would you go ahead and turn that on for us?